Are you losing sleep worrying about how you are going to present the truth of your situation with your abusive ex to the family court judge or court evaluator? What if you were confident that you always had a documented response to their false narrative and lies so that you do not get stuck playing the he said, she said game? This is possible if you are proactive and prepared and have a framework for obtaining and organizing your information based on what the courts are looking for. Join us for the documentation workshop on February 2nd to help you learn this framework. Find the link in the show notes to register. You have more power in this situation than you think and can finally feel some peace knowing you are able to document and present the truth. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. I'm Sybil Cummin, and today I am going to answer questions that I have been asked on multiple occasions. And most recently, I have been asked to do a podcast episode on this specific question by multiple people and people even outside of my community and my clients. So by other listeners and other people in the field. And so what we are going to talk about today is how can you stomach the false narrative that your abusive ex is going to spin about you? When people are asking me this, they're mostly asking me this because they are in family court with their abusive ex. And sometimes we can predict the narratives that are going to be said about you. And sometimes they are completely random, crazy stories that are all lies that are being told about you. And so how do you listen to that, stomach that? not defend yourself at every turn, not stand up on the rooftops with a megaphone trying to defend yourself and tell people it's not true. How do you live in this state where someone is constantly lying about you? And it might have real repercussions in a court situation. So first, let's just look at the false narrative. This doesn't just start occurring after you've been discarded or after you have left the relationship and you find yourself in court. Actually, these false narratives have been a part of your relationship with your partner since the beginning. They have really been conditioning you and the people around you throughout the relationship by using techniques like gaslighting, using DARVO, how they need to project the perfect family, that they are the perfect partner to the outside world, how they did that for you in the beginning, right? They have that mask on and 
they are not a real person, right? They are depicting who they think you want them to be. So the narrative actually starts at the very beginning and it is false. Very rarely are you going to, in the beginning, see the real person. The mask will not slip. Then you are going to be a part of this narrative and tell everyone else how amazing this person is, how they are your soulmate, how you finally found your person. And so then you're going to take on that narrative as your own. So throughout the relationship, your abusive partner has been setting the stage for all the narratives yet to come. So if you think about what the narrative has been throughout the relationship you have with them, you can see how it starts and maybe how it shifts over time. And now you see what, you know, behind the mask and you see the narrative that has been played out in the other people around you, maybe in the flying monkeys, if your partner is using other people to continue on that narrative or to make that narrative stronger, even that idea of kind of manipulating your crazy, right? They manufacture the crazy and your reactions. That's part of that false narrative. So they've been doing this the whole time. But what happens after you, maybe you escape the relationship, or maybe you've been discarded by your abusive partner, that narrative seems to like up the ante a little bit. And so the smear campaign is going to start, right? Any way that they can save face and not have to take accountability and put all of the onus of the bad things in the relationship on you, they're going to do. They are actually going to go on the rooftops and tell everyone as loudly as they can to anyone and everyone who will listen. So their false narrative has just continued, but maybe grown a little bit more intense. So they are going to use what works in these false narratives, right? And so as we think about that, what is going to get them sympathy? What is going to show that you are the reason the relationship needed to end, that you are the abusive one, that you are crazy, whatever their, you know, narrative that helps protect them from, again, taking accountability or anyone looking badly down upon them, they're going to use. This means that the court setting is not exempt. And actually, it provides a really powerful way for them to share a false narrative. Now, if you have never been in the family court system, you may have this belief that I actually used to have before I knew what I know now is that if you lied in court, you would get in trouble. You would be held in contempt, right? They would find out you were lying and the book would be thrown at you. You would have major consequences. And that's just not true. That is just not true. And so these false narratives in a family court setting kind of spread like wildfire. So anytime your partner can, what we call like muddy the waters or distract from what's really going on, they're going to do it. 
they are going to do it, right? So if you have evidence of domestic violence or you have evidence of child abuse at the hands of your partner, that's pretty damning. But guess what? They are going to fling the mud your direction and they may completely create a new story, but they may change little pieces of a true story to where they are now saying that you are also an abusive parent. And guess what? The judge has to look at it, right? So they are muddying the waters. They're making it really messy so that, again, it's not a, wow, he is abusive or she is abusive. It is, wow, we have to look at both of these parties and look, both of these parties are high conflict even if just one party fits that pattern. So some of the top false narratives in in court, which we could have a whole one or even two podcast episodes just specifically on this, but kind of the top ones that you will hear if you are needing to know what to expect. Um, number one is parental alienation, or they might call it gatekeeping. So this is used when the children do not have a safe and close and connected relationship with the abusive parent. And they are going to basically say that is your fault because you talk bad about them in front of the children or you don't allow that parent to see them. You may say something like, you know, I'm comfortable with you seeing them, but only with supervision and they'll call gatekeeping on that. Parental alienation is used all the time. It unfortunately works. And it's been found to be really junk science. So when I have seen what most people would consider parental alienation, it is typically what I have seen as domestic violence by proxy when it actually is occurring in that post-separation abuse wheel, which we can put a link to that in the show notes. But you know, there's that counter parenting that's there's making you look horrible. But if, if you're feeling like your children aren't safe with your partner and your whole job is to keep your baby safe. And so you're trying to put those, you know, safeguards in place. Parental alienation is used. Again, I could talk for days about that. The other top ones is that you as a parent are mentally unstable. Maybe you are addicted to drugs or alcohol that maybe you're only after their money, again, that you are the abuser, that you are borderline or narcissistic or whatever it may be. They're just going to fling the mud to create their narrative. And so when you're sitting there in court during the first hearing, or maybe even, you know, the first time you're in front of not even a judge, but that initial status conference or anything like that, and you're hearing some of these things for the first time, it is so hard not to let your jaw drop, not to just look in disbelief and speak out and say, oh my gosh, that's not true. And guess what? You can't do that in the way that your body wants you to do that. So what can you do? What can you do to survive the false narratives? So these can be either when you are hearing these horrible things about you in court or Maybe you're just starting to hear the smear campaign. Maybe you don't have to go to court, but they are posting things on Facebook or they're telling mutual friends lies about you. What can you do to stomach it, to tolerate it, and to survive? 
So the first thing is, is really knowing what to expect. It's not if it's going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. It's what are they going to say? And who are they going to say it to? And what might be the consequences? So you actually can probably predict with some degree of accuracy, because you know your partner best, what they're going to lean towards. So if they consistently have told you, you know, you're so crazy, you're mentally unstable. If we separate, I'm going to take the kids because you're too crazy to raise them. You're not a good parent. They just told you what they are going to say. They may make it more interesting and add a bunch of details when they're doing the smear campaign. And they've already allowed you to kind of see their cards. So you probably can start to predict. So along with that, just expecting it will happen. Think back to some of the things that they said. Maybe they already said it in front of family and friends. Maybe you have overheard them say things to professionals. Maybe you went to couples therapy, which don't do that with an abusive partner. I have a whole episode on that. If you want to go back and look at that, maybe the therapist has said that you have some anxiety from a previous trauma. You better bet that they're going to take that and use it against you for their narrative, right? Like, oh, the therapist thought she needed to be medicated because she is dealing with X, Y, Z. So she's not stable enough to whatever. Or, oh, you know what? I couldn't deal with the drama. Even the therapist thought she needed medication. So you can probably predict what's coming. Another thing that is so amazingly important during this whole time, but it will help you survive the false narratives is really increasing your safe inner circle of support. So that is family and friends and professionals who have your back. They know the real story and they know that the things that this person are saying are just being said to harm you, that they're not going to be tainted and charmed into believing the false narrative. So having those people in place really is a godsend. So it could be, again, family members or friends, maybe it's a support group, your therapist, your attorney, whomever you need to have in your corner so that you know, you people you don't have to defend yourselves to. That's who you need around you. So increasing that, that is one reason why I started the Rising Beyond community, because there needed to be a space where women are believed, their experiences are believed. These false narratives can be so ridiculous at times and so theatrical that a lot of people are drawn into it. And so having a space where people will understand and believe what you're going through is really, really helpful. Along with that, knowing when to choose your battles, you need to know who, what, and when you are going to defend yourself. Some of the time, defending yourself is actually not helpful. Like if you think of someone um, in the movies who is defending themselves, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. Very often, the more they defend themselves, the more people think they're guilty. And so you actually have to be really careful about defending yourself. So 
who does it matter to you that knows the truth, right? The Facebook friends, whatever, doesn't matter. It may hurt to see those things or have people think these things about you, but it probably doesn't matter in the long run. Joint friends, you'll have to decide how much it is important to you. Clearly, if you are dealing with family court, it is important to defend yourself in a specific manner to the judge, to the magistrate, where, you know, in those legal proceedings. And you actually have to be able to defend with evidence. So they are just spinning stories and their stories are going to change to what sticks, right? They're throwing mud at the wall and whichever mud clump sticks, that's what they're going with in that moment. If it falls off the wall and doesn't stick again, are they going to shift and, you know, change the narrative? Probably, probably. So they don't have the same type of evidence that you might have. So if they are showing that you are saying that you are alienating them, you will not support the relationship between them and the children and him and the family, then you can show evidence of maybe an email you wrote to paternal grandmother about, hey, I know, you know, the separation is really difficult. Is there a time you'd like to see the children? Right? So something like that needs to be in your corner, you need to have that type of evidence. So defend with evidence to people who matter long term. And especially in that court setting, defending yourself with no or low levels of emotion. So just stating the facts, stating the observations, and moving on. And then the toughest piece of surviving these false narratives, and the most important is taking on some radical acceptance. So there are things in this world that you cannot control. You will not be able to control whether your ex-partner lies about you. You won't. It will probably happen. And you have no control on how they're going to lie or what they're going to say, who they're going to say it to. So if you cannot control that piece of it, we need to be somewhat at peace. That doesn't mean it's okay. That doesn't mean you're not angry about it. You're not sad about it, but that you won't be able to change it. So having that radical acceptance, which is so difficult, so difficult, but that is really going to be the key. And then looking at what can I control in this situation? I can defend myself, not overtly, but by proving people wrong by my actions by standing by what I say, by having integrity, right? So you don't have to just roll over and be sad and, you know, well, it's going to happen. I I just have to let it happen. No, you can act with integrity and behave within your value system because that will longer term prove that the narrative is false. So if you are going through this, I see you. It is horrific to hear things about you that are not true, that other people might start to think are true. And if you really are needing more support, reach out to us at Rising Beyond Power and Control. Reach out to us to see if you may be a fit for the Rising Beyond community. Because if we can do this together 
and support you together, it will be easier to survive this. So I hope this was helpful. I am so sorry if you are going through this right now. It is really difficult. But again, hope this is helpful for those of you that have asked for this topic to be discussed because you're dealing with it on a daily basis. I'm hoping that you got out of it what you needed. Please shoot me an email and let me know if there are other things that have been helpful for you or if you have any questions about what I shared. Otherwise, I will catch you on the next episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. If you're healing from relationship abuse and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.